And that is the day, from this Torah portion, when God himself descended upon Mount Sinai and spoke out the Ten Commandments. And this event rippled across time. And if you see any society today in the world that is a civilized society, it's because of this event. When God spoke the Ten Commandments, so there's a, a Jewish tradition about this, and I really encourage you not to just throw out all Jewish tradition that happens to be outside of the Bible, because these are things that have been passed down, they're passed up to us, passed down to us, for a long, long time, from the people who experienced it. And one of the things that's written in the Jewish writings uh, from the rabbis is that when, when, the, when, the, when the Ten Commandments came forth from God's mouth, it was, I mean, we know it was an extremely loud voice. We know it, there was a lot of thunder and lightning. It was a whole big to-do going on. But as loud as the voice was, now this is just tradition, as loud as the voice was, there was no echo, is what the tradition says. And why was there no echo? Because it didn't reverberate off of, every, off of anything. The, the world absorbed it. So there was no echo back. It was just absorbed. And the world just took it and it became an, an integral part of society around the world. Just the, the basics of you shall not kill, the basics of you shall not steal, the basics of honor your father and your mother, the, the mother, the basics of don't be jealous reverberated around the world. And I argue that any civilized culture became civilized through this. It is the foundation of civilized society around the world to this day. And it is an important event, not just for that time, but it's, it's an important event for everybody, for, for the body of Messiah and for everyone around the world. It's the, the law of God, the Torah of God, the commandments of God are looked at so unfavorably by the body of Messiah in large as something that was done away with, but you cannot do away with God's instructions. You cannot do away with it. Because God and his word are one. And if you do away with the instructions of God, you do away with God. And God cannot be done away with. Because they are one. So if you look at the Torah as this book of do's and don'ts, you're missing the extreme value of what this is because God, without his instruction on how to live, all you have is anarchy. In fact, without the Torah, you have Torahlessness, which you see in the New Testament written called lawlessness. You cannot remove the ways of God from God. And you can't remove the ways of God 
from those who are his people, who he transforms into his liking, his likeness. It cannot be removed. So where we get lost is from the minutiae of the details. Do we have to keep kosher? Does that mean I got to wear strings off my garments? And we get lost on, on, on the lesser commandments, the less weightier commandments. But realize that in the New Testament, every time that Rabbi Shaul, Paul, commanded his churches to be righteous, and he spoke a lot about righteousness, there is nothing that he said that was not in the Torah. So we can get lost on the minutia, and that's a debatable thing, and there's certainly you know, instances in the New Testament where like Orthodox Jewish Torah observant of everything, believers in Yeshua were telling like newly converted Gentiles, you got to get circumcised and do all these things. And Paul and the, the disciples said, no, and we, we can't avoid that. That is fact in the Bible. But without getting lost in these kind of details and these, these arguments that happen, you cannot remove the Torah, the giving of the law, God's telling us the right way to live that cannot be removed from the body of Messiah because the body of Messiah without God's constitution is just human law. And human law fails us and changes over time when the word of the Lord is forever. So last time I was here two weeks ago, I spoke about how the exodus from Egypt and when the children of Israel put the lamb's blood on the doorpost, there is nothing that reflects and foreshadows what Yeshua did for us because his blood is on the doorposts of our homes. So we can be set free. But not just a foreshadow. Yeshua on the cross, the Lamb of God on the cross, happened at the exact same day. On Passover. The exact same day. If we move on through the, the Jewish biblical holidays, the next thing we come up to is this beginning of the, of the season of first fruits. When the high priest takes the newly resurrected crops, this is in the springtime, and takes the first fruit of it and waves it. That happens on the day after Passover. It is the exact day that Yeshua was resurrected. Also, on a biblical holiday. By the way, when you hear that, that's because of phone stuff. That all the, the clicking and the clacking, that happens when, when people go on their data plan. Just letting you know. Not yours, Peter. Right, like, nummy, nummy, nummy. Okay. So now we get to this Torah portion where it is the, the giving of the law. God set his foot on the mountain and spoke out in this incredible way the Ten Commandments. This also is a biblical holiday. 
Leviticus 23 speaks of all the holidays, and it says you have Passover, and then you have this day of first fruits, biblical resurrection day, and then you count up to 50 days, and you have another holiday. It's called the, the feast or the, the festival of weeks. Why weeks? Because you count seven weeks, it says. 49 days, and then on the 50th day, you have the celebration. That celebration is the exact same day that God came down on Mount Sinai. That's the day. So that's a holiday. The day that God came down that we read in this Torah portion where he came down and spoke the Ten Commandments is the holiday of, in Hebrew, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks. So if Passover reflected Yeshua, the Lamb of God, and the first fruits, the day of first fruits uh, reflected his resurrection day, what does Shavuot, when he came down on the mountain, represent? In Acts 2, it says the day of Pentecost came. Well, what is Pentecost? Pentecost is is the Feast of Weeks. It is what the Greek Jews called the Feast of Weeks. It's the exact same thing. Why Penta? Because it's the fifth day of the, the celebration of the 50th. The 50th day. That's where Pentecost comes from. So we read that in English, and without an understanding of the Jewish roots of our faith, it seems like something else. It's, it's like if you celebrated... I don't know. It's like if you celebrated Christmas and you read something that said, and the day of Noel came. And you're like, oh, there must be some new holiday, some new thing. Or if you read some German literature and it says the day of Yule came. And you're like, oh, what's that? Well, let me read, let me see what happened there. Oh, it looks like something different. Do you understand what I'm saying? With, you don't realize, because just because it's in another language, you, real, you don't realize it's the same thing. So when it says, and the day of Pentecost came, that is the Jewish biblical holiday of Shavuot. That's why Yeshua, 10 days prior, said, stay in Jerusalem. Because that was a festival. Everybody had to come to Jerusalem. You could read about that in the Torah. So that is a Jewish holiday. So what does God bringing forth his spirit have to do with the giving of the Ten Commandments? And I tell you, there are some details, again, that get lost in the English. I don't understand. Why does, what does the tongues of fire have to do with that? Well, first of all, if, I mean, we read the, 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 the the chronicle of how the law was given. And we know there was fire and there was wind and there was thundering and lightning. It was an amazing, you know, like event in the heavens. There was smoke and we see something similar in Acts 2, but it doesn't just end, end there. In the Torah, in this Torah portion, it says the people saw the thunder and the lightning. And the word for thunder is kulot, it means voices. Voices. They saw the voices. And the word for lightning is not the usual word for lightning. It's the word 
for torches. So they saw the voices and the torches. It doesn't even say heard. It says they saw the voices. So much so that if you read the rabbinic writings from thousands of years ago talking about this event, it says that when the word came forth from the mouth of God, from the mountain, this is in Jewish writings, it says that the voices were in tongues of fire and split, listen, and split into 70 tongues. So everybody there, because 70 tongues represents the 70 nations. Uh, Noah had 70 children, so in Jewish thinking, there's 70 nations. It says the voice split into 70 tongues, so everybody can hear it in their own language. What does that sound like? Pentecost. This is the original, tongues of fire. It says in the Midrash, in the Jewish Midrash of this Torah portion, it says that the children of Israel saw fiery tongues land on all the people at Sinai. And this is what the Jewish belief was all throughout the ages until the fulfillment at Pentecost. So what they were seeing at Pentecost on the exact same day that it happened in the Bible, in the Torah, happened again at Pentecost, which was just Shavuot, which was again God bringing forth his word as fiery tongues and landing on the people. And the, the similarities don't even end there. I mean, you have, it says right in Acts 2, if you read right at the end of Acts 2, you have the, the, the people gathering. And they gave like all their belongings. So nobody would have any need. In the Torah, after this event and after laws are being given, you know what the children of Israel do? They give to the tabernacle. And there was no need. There was an excess. It's the exact same thing that happened. In the Torah, after this was given and Moses went up for 40 days and the children of Israel created the golden calf, how many people died? It says about 3,000 people died that day. In Acts 2, how many people were saved? It says about 3,000 were saved that day. These are not coincidences. These Christian events are fulfillments of Jewish events, of biblical events. And I tell you that when the children of Israel, my people, recognize it, there will be life from the dead. And I tell you that when you're in a messianic synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, you're not just here. See, it's, it's, a, it's another setup. God brings you here to like, I'm going to learn, the, learn a little bit more about God. But what you are in is a prophetic movement. You are in the movement of the restoration of Israel when they recognize that their Messiah is Jewish. And as Paul said, if their rejection was salvation for the world, how much more is their acceptance but life from the dead? And this thing, this messianic Judaism, 
is the is Yeshua returning back to Israel, returning back to the Jewish people, the understanding of the Jewish Hebrew roots of what you've read your whole life is the catalyst for the end times resurrection, the life from the dead when the children of Israel recognize that their Messiah is their long-lost Jewish brother. So that is why you are here. But there's another aspect of it, and I've spoken about this a couple times. If you've heard it, you can take a nap. When God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke the Ten Commandments with all the fire and everything in the smoke, as was mentioned here, the children of Israel around the mountain were very much afraid. And they said, as Paul mentioned, we don't want to talk to God. Moses will talk to you instead. You go talk to God. You can handle that relationship. And we'll just talk to you instead. And Moses said on this day of Shavuot, he said, what they ask is good. For I will raise up a prophet like me from amongst your brothers. You must listen to him. On the same day that Moses prophesied, the day of Shavuot, when Moses prophesied that another is coming, a prophet is coming, you must listen to him. He will speak my words. Okay, I get the whole thing that you get scared from the the voices from heaven. I'm going to raise up a prophet from amongst your brothers. You listen to him. On that day... Years later, the Spirit was poured out on the believers of Yeshua, and they were empowered to speak the words of God. The prophet that Moses spoke about is you. It's the body of Messiah. Because on that day, day when God came down, the people said, no, I'll talk to you. And Moses said, I'm going to raise up one on that day. He said, I'm going to raise up one from your brothers. That's the day when the spirit was poured out on you. You are the fulfillment of what Moses said that God will raise up a prophet. And what is the role of of that prophet. Yeshua said, make Talmudim disciples from all nations. What is a Talmudim? What is a disciple? It's somebody who becomes just like the rabbi. Even Yeshua said, the student will never be greater than the rabbi. It is sufficient that they become equal with the rabbi. So we make disciples, we make other people we, to become like Yeshua. To have his image by having him within them. We make disciples so we can speak God's words. See, from the, t- from the mountain, God spoke the words. Now he empowers us to speak his words. Are we speaking his words. Are we speaking life? 
because it's not enough to just have the Torah. You must understand that the children of Israel at the time of Yeshua kept Torah really, really well. But there was still something wrong, right? Because Yeshua reprimanded them a lot, even though they kept the, the letter of the law perfectly, Yeshua said you are whitewashed tombs looking all pretty on the outside, empty and dark on the inside. So it's not enough about just keeping the law perfectly. It's about the one who lives inside of you, who keeps the law perfectly through you. And Yeshua has come down and he has poured out his spirit, which is himself, into you so he can occupy the house and keep the Torah perfectly through you. Yeshua went on to say that if this evil spirit leaves the house and the house is swept clean, that's good. Sweeping clean the house is like I, re I was repenting and getting, getting everything in order. That's good. But if it's swept clean and it is unoccupied, then the spirits will bring seven of his friends. And it'll be even worse for that house than the first time. It's not just about the keeping of the commandments. It's about having the one in you who keeps the commandments perfectly. Is the fruit of what we are saying, of what we are speaking, is, is it in line with what God says are the fruits of the Spirit? Is love coming forth? Is patience coming forth? These are the evidences of the one that lives inside of you. I don't think I've ever seen, especially in this political climate, I've never seen Yeshua's body so divided. I've never seen the body of Messiah split into two echo chambers. Where the people who love Donald Trump and hated Barack Obama like to hang out with themselves and talk to themselves, and the people who loved Barack Obama and hate Donald Trump hang out by themselves. The body of Messiah owns. Messianic Judaism owns the ministry of reconciliation because Yeshua has reconciled us to the Father and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. No male nor female, no Jew nor Greek, no Republican nor Democrat. 
we need to be able to hang out and break bread with people who don't look like us, who don't speak like us, who don't vote like us. If we can't do that, then we need to just get on our faces. There must be room at Yeshua's table for both Republicans and Democrats. There must be. If there's not, then we need to repent. And if there's anything that saddens me, it's the division that I see in the body of Messiah. I long for the day that a Republican believer who has a certain worldview which they're allowed to, and a Democrat who has another worldview which they are allowed to, can hold hands and pray for this nation and pray for our leaders. I long for the day when the eternal Torah and word of God is more important to believers than temporal politics. Because American laws change and evolve over time. But the word of the Lord is forever. And presidents will change over time. But Yeshua is king forever. And that word that Yeshua spoke not that word I believe is a prophetic word even today. And I believe it is even a prophetic word for America. And I will say it. If the evil spirit leaves, if the house is swept clean, but is unoccupied. The evil spirit will come back with seven friends even more evil than it. And those seven will, will be the seven trumpets of tribulation. But the answer to this lies not in a president and not in laws. It lies with us, the prophets of God. Because judgment starts where? With the house of the Lord. And I argue that God cares less about the laws of the land than he does about how his body reacts to it. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to repent. And if you vote left-wing or right-wing, God doesn't give a rat's rump. You know, there was a time in the, when Joshua was going to take the land and 
just before he was going to enter into Jericho, uh, an angel appeared and with a sword, and he thought it was a warrior, and he said, Who's, whose sword are you on? Now, in this instance, the difference between right and wrong was pretty clear. Like, the Canaanites, they were evil, and the people of Israel were the ones of God. I mean, the right and wrong here was pretty clear. So Joshua goes to this one warrior and says, whose side are you on? And you know what he said? Neither. I am captain of the Lord of hosts. That's the side I want to be on. Laws change. Presidents change. Yeshua is king forever. And I charge the body of Messiah. A house divided cannot stand. It cannot stand. If we cannot learn to break bread with people who vote differently than us, God is going to bring something that's going to make us grab their hands. Amen.